0: Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance.
1: Morning, Brian Hirsch. Welcome to studio. Thanks,
2: Kathy. Yeah, a n- <laughs> new role. Let me just take the one hat off and put the other hat off. This is a more positive hat that I put on now.
1: <laughs> uh, what was the first hat in your the, personal oh, that capacity? Was, that was w- absolutely... W- w- were you speaking in your personal, uh, personal capacity?
2: Personal capacity, the way I feel <laughs> in a way... And,
1: and now you're speaking in, in what capacity? Now I'm talking
2: about being investment and what you ah, need to I do. See. And uh, yeah. You're just
1: like the politicians, Brian. Many hats, you know. You know how they Well that last
2: hat was a personal hat. Now I'm talking about, you know, my 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 career, what I do, how I advise. I mean that's how I feel personally. I mean the fact that I feel negative and I'm normally the bottles are full for me.
1: You, you really are. You really, really are. That's why I always call you the ray of sunshine. <laughs> Before we get into um, today we have you for the hour. We're also going to be dealing with some of the frequently asked questions from the month. Before we get into that, you've got some feedback for us in terms of um, the issues that were raised by some of our listeners in the month.
2: Yes, neither successful, but I think important feedback. The first bit of feedback, we had a gentleman called Charles, I won't give out his surname. He worked for a company from 1992, 1973 to 1992. He left the company, he resigned. That company was taken over by a large public company in South Africa. Charles has now reached retirement, and he's trying to find out where his money is from the 72 to 93. Uh, I, I, I contacted the company. I gave the company all Charles' details. We, they could not trace his monies. Uh, his child has also been through to the long-term ombudsman. That's the wrong party because when you're dealing with pensions, you always go to the pension fund adjudicator, who, by the way, will be on TV with me next Monday night talking about pension complaints. Uh, they cannot find Charles's money now. I've done everything we can. There's very little more Charles can do because I've spoken to the principal officer. Her name was Natasha Vallen. Unbelievable service. Within three days, she was back. She'd investigated the whole case. But the reason I'm raising this this morning, if any 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 listener has left a pension fund and hasn't withdrawn their funds, please make contact with that pension fund. If you haven't done before, make it now. Get in writing. Get records that you have that you were a member because many funds do merge. It's unlikely that funds should disappear. But in Charles's case, they cannot trace the money. 19 years of service.
1: Well, what does it mean they cannot trace the
2: money? Well, Brian, it, well that doesn't make sense com- to me. Com- company A, the company that Charles worked for, was mm. taken over by Company B. Okay. The, the funds were consolidated. Mm-hmm. Charles's name dropped off, obviously, as the member. So they don't have all these years later. We're talking now 29 years How later. How did his
1: name drop off?
2: They don't know. His name is just not... There's no money allocated to Charles's name in this fund. But
1: can they verify that he's been an employee with them from, 19, uh, from 1973? No,
2: no. They can't either. Because those records they haven't got. Because remember, oh, company no. A... So all I'm saying to our listeners, if you and, and the reason I'm using Charles's case to our listeners... If you've been a member of a pension fund and you have left that pension some years ago, please contact the companies. Don't leave it till you retire. Contact the companies and get something in writing to confirm that they, they have got benefits allocated to your name and that when you retire, or even now, you can draw the funds into your own preservation funds. But make contact because this is not the first time I've heard about this. We do we did have um, the apportionment of surplus. That was done also some years ago where any fund that had surpluses had to be distributed to all prior members and i think it was from working up to from 1970 to 1980 don't remember exactly the years but and people were apportioned but all I'm saying in this particular instance, please, make, if you've left a company, you haven't withdrawn your retirement funds, mm. please make sure you've got records that you are a member of that fund. Because even after you've left, your fund can stay with that retirement fund. But companies have been taken over all the time and funds absorbed. It it, it shouldn't happen, but it has happened in Charles's so, so case. So,
1: Brian, are you saying that this company effectively has no track record of Charles having been an employee? Yes, And what about the documents? that He sent them
2: documents. But remember, Company A took over Company B. So they they say that when they took over Company B and absorbed and consolidated the two funds, he was not a member on that fund.
1: But it cannot be that he's got no recourse.
2: Well, he's been to the long-term ombudsman. I've now told him to go to the pension adjudicator. Uh, I have got the pension adjudicator coming on TV on Monday night, yeah. and I will raise it with the pension fund. There must be
1: something somebody yeah. can do yeah. because, especially if he has the documentation to prove that he was an employee, and one just thinks about how many other employees may have been in the same situation as Charles. Yes, has been.
2: that's why I'm making yeah. making the comment yeah. to our listeners. Uh, very sad set of circumstances. Charles has sent everything through to me: proof of membership, mm. the fund, the the new, the principal of said to me, the only explanation could be, and they they cannot give clarity, is that maybe when Charles left, he d- he took a withdrawal, but they've got no they've got no records going back to nineteen ninety two.
1: Okay, all right. So this is a, a, a continuing one; then. Yes. it's ongoing. Yeah. But, all right, but, but the Thanks. advice is, please,
2: yeah. if you're a listener and you've been a member of a pension or provident fund, please check up that your name is still there if you haven't withdrawn your benefits. The second one happened to be a lady, Rachel who went into um, – um, she went into um, – missing the word for a moment. She went into um, business rescue. Okay. No, she went into uh, – she went into – used the national credit to, uh, check. She w- was, in, was in debt, and she went under –
1: Debt consolidation. Debt consolidation. Okay.
2: A debt pr- protection. Okay. And she appointed a practitioner and she came to an arrangement with all her creditors that the practitioner would pay the money over. She's now, after all this, this time, meant to be fully paid. She checked up; none of the money she paid to the practitioner was ever paid over to mm. her creditors. Mm, mm, mm. Now, the points I'm making here, I've put her in touch with the National Credit Regulator. She's lodged a complaint to the National Credit Regulator. But let me say again, explain why I'm giving this case is because if anyone listening today is under debt review, please make sure with the people you owe money to. Don't just leave it to your uh, consultant. Make sure that money is being paid across to the people you owe money. It, you don't have to be scared phoning because once you're on debt review, there's a, there's, a, there's a standoff and there's a freezing of what you owe because it's going to be paid by, uh, you're going to pay the debt co- uh, review uh, consultant and they're going to pay the cro- money across. But if you owe anyone money, whether it be a motor car company or whether it be a leasing company or whether it be a bond or whether it be a store. Just Just check with the store that they're receiving money every month. Mm. Don't just leave it. Because in Rachel's case, she didn't leave it. She didn't check up. Now when she thinks the debt's over, she's found out that money hasn't been paid over. She has lodged a complaint. They will check up. Uh, Anyone who's appointed uh, to, to actually do help debt review is got to be registered and they are now investigating as well but my warning here is you you may not be one that's going to be investigated just check up with anyone you owed money anyone where you've been paying a, a, a debt review consultant that the money is getting to the right source
1: and Brian how long has she been paying this practitioner for 5 years oh my gosh that is horrible this person deserves to be stripped of their license.
2: Yes, and and jailed. Yes, this is theft. Oh, so, geesh, so okay. the complaint has been lodged. But the, you know, you, you so many people when they get into debt don't know exactly mm. who they're dealing with. They get phone numbers, they get names of people. They go to these people. Like people to tell them, we are registered. And you just rely then on that money that you pay to them. W- but remember, this? the debt yeah. is consolidated. You would pay a lump sum to that debt review consultant. Mm-hmm. And then they would, in terms of an uh, agreement with all the different companies you may owe money to, they will agree how much they're going to pay them. Mm-hmm. Well, if it doesn't get across there, you're still liable for that debt.
1: Was this individual um, a, a registered practitioner? Yes, it registered. Okay, so so their documents are in order.
2: Everything was in they order. It just
1: happened to be a scamster. The lady
2: thought, well, she didn't think it was. It may not have been a scam to start with, but who knows? The yes, administration. Yes, well, that's government. what I'm saying. We don't saying. know the circumstances, yeah, yeah. but the money did not get paid over, and she still owes the money.
1: Oh, okay.
2: All right. So those yeah. are just two yeah. cases. Please pass on that information to anyone who may be in that situation if you're listening to our program this morning.
1: All right. Brian, I, I want us to get into the, our ca- questions, but I've got uh, Peter on the line from Uppington. I want to quickly take uh, Peter's call. Do you want to yeah. put on your headphones?
2: Good ca- morning, Peter. I, I came in this morning wearing my mask, and now I'm putting on my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Peter. Good morning. Yes. Good
1: morning. Good
2: morning.
0: Morning, Brian. Morning, Peter. Brian, I have a problem. whereby I bought, I got a vehicle financed uh, in Peter Meritzburg. That was in February, late February this year. Now, when I got the vehicle, I got to I, I get all of it through the internet. And then I asked the dealer if they have the checkup for me for the vehicle, like in concerning the engine and so on. So uh, things went on and I got the deal and so I got the vehicle now, they never did a checkup for me to go through to make sure the vehicle is fine. So the other day, I, had, I took out a service plan. And then when I got to Mercedes-Benz, because on the sticker inside the vehicle, it shows over so many kilos I must, I must service it. And in the dash, it showed difference. So I went to Mercedes-Benz to make sure that because I have the uh, the, the, the service uh, warranty, the, uh, service thing that I took out, I asked Mercedes-Benz and mercedes told me that the kilometers currently on the vehicle it's much higher then the car, the kilometers that's reflecting on the vehicle at present. So at the same time, I took out the insurance on the vehicle, so that in the sense of this thing has been covered in the service history for this vehicle, because the vehicle is currently less than, two, say, 210,000 kilos, and the last service, as per Mercedes' records, this vehicle has been serviced at Mercedes in Peter Marisburg. That was 2019, and back then it was already in 460,000 kilos. So how do I go over?
2: Well, the first thing you do is you go straight back to the dealer. Have you been back to the dealer?
0: No, no, no. I'm trying to. You see the thing, what I've, what I've tried to Because I need to check out exactly what the kilos is. So I need to book this thing in at Mercedes, but I have to pay a fee. The dealer asked me about this, and then I told him, no, there's no problem, I'm going to take the car. But then he said, what if you don't take the car, and we've taken the car for the, for the check-up, and it doesn't reflect? Because the thing is, this is a shady thing that has been done, and the thing is, it's unfair. It's not right, my
2: Yeah, look, look. This is way out of my ambit of uh, expertise. But what I would be doing, you know, just from experience, what I would be doing firstly is I would definitely take the vehicle back to the. back back to the dealer and i would insist that maybe you you there's been misrepresentation whether it's been innocent or fraudulent you did ask the dealer for to check up on that the dealer confirmed they checked up on it you've now got information from mercedes that the mileage is far greater and 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 very simply you 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 paid a certain amount of money for a particular model and a particular model that had done a certain mileage you've actually paid for a model that did a lot more mileage You should not have paid that sort of price. So I think you need to go back to the dealer and see first see what the dealer is prepared to do to accommodate you and to make good uh, what's happened. Uh, Maybe replace the car with something different. Or if you don't have any success with the dealer, then I think that you you should be reporting that dealer. uh, And maybe you should actually uh, get hold of one of these firms of attorneys who deal with this and they, they don't charge the enormous, fee, enormous fees that the normal legal people would do but I definitely would not leave it at that because you're going to lose out I mean your vehicle's done over four, it's done twice the amount of mileage that you had originally uh, thought it had done and there are parts and, and costs that you're going to incur I mean a 400,000 rand kilometre vehicle compared to 200,000 kilometre is going to give more problems in the years to come than the 200,000 so you need to deal with the dealer and see is it is, is it a reputable dealer?
0: Dealer, and the thing is, the vehicle is being financed, so that means I'm just now I'm doing it now for the so three. is going to be the fourth month. Yeah, so the look, third month now, look. The I'm finance saying. Saying. is different
2: because you took finance for a vehicle, and the finance company gave it to you in good faith, based on your ability to to repay the amount they lent you, uh, and so on. So it's it's really not a. It's really I don't think it's a financing problem. I think it's a dealership problem. So I suggest Peter, you go back to the dealership, and if you don't get satisfaction, you speak. A lawyer. Okay. Thank you. you. Difficult one.
1: All right. All all the best with with that issue, Peter, uh, out in Uppington. It's 10.30. We're going to take the latest news headlines. I'm back with some of your frequently asked questions for Brian after the latest headlines. As always, I'll be taking your calls. 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial.
3: The Talking Point
0: with Cathy Mossasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: We continue the conversation on the talking point, talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, I want to get to some of the key questions uh, from this month. And this one is an important one. It relates to the issue of beneficiaries under a retirement fund and how they're not treated the same as investments and life policies.
2: Absolutely critical because under a life policy or an investment policy, the Purchaser of that policy has the right to appoint whoever they want as their beneficiary. Doesn't have to be a spouse, doesn't have to be children, can be anyone they like. They have complete freedom. Under a retirement annuity, although individuals appoint beneficiaries, there is an overriding factor, and that is Section 37C of the Pension Funds Act, which says it is the responsibility of trustees to pay benefits from retirement funds directly to dependents. There's a big difference between a dependent and a beneficiary, although in many cases a dependent can also be a beneficiary. And the big problem comes when the when 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 the insurance companies, and particularly where there may have been a second marriage, where the insurance companies have 12 months to ascertain who that benefit, who the dependent actually is, and many people have. Second marriages, double children from d- different, fat, f- different husbands and wives. And they've got to then research to make sure that the benefit is paid to a dependent. So even though, Kathy, under your retirement fund, you may have nominated A spouse or a child, the the trustees of that pension fund or that retirement fund still have to have the responsibility to check up that there are no other beneficiaries. And often beneficiaries just come out of the woodwork. You don't know. And whilst this is all going on, Mm -hmm. payments are not made to anyone. There are no payments made to families who may need funds, they may be destitute, they've got the bills of life to pay for, they have to wait for the uh, trustees to make that decision. And over and above that, if the trustees make a decision, which one dependent who believes they're a dependent, let's say it's a parent or, an, a, or a child of another marriage that maybe the family aren't even, aren't even aware of, that they can then lodge a complaint and they will hold that that, that clump plank back uh, that payment back and that's a real nightmare mm-hmm. for those under pension and problem funds so make sure when you do your beneficiary form and check with your company again who is the beneficiary or who's been nominated under your retirement fund make sure all your dependents all your beneficiaries are noted so that it makes it easier for the company to actually pay that benefit. Because the last thing you want to do, most South African working South Africans, those are the only benefits they have on death, mm. is their pension fund and then maybe their group life, which is a multiple of salary. Giving them life insurance, and again, you don't want delays. And I've had so many cases that have been delayed. I've even got involved in them. In other words, I think of one particular case where the trustees decided the the, the nephew the the nephew died, um, and his uh, and his parents uh, were completely dependent on him, but he had a wife. So the trustees decided they're going to pay seventy four percent to the wife and only uh, 26% to the parents. And the, the the nephew of the parents lodged a complaint with the pension fund adjudicator, firstly with the company. They mm. stood by their grounds and is now lodged a complaint saying the wife of the deceased is a professional woman. She's got other assets. She can look after herself and the parents are destitute. And so it's critical that people understand that if you think you've got life insurance under your retirement funds, make sure that all your dependents are catered for, and even if you have to buy life insurance outside of that, the trustees will adhere by section thirty-seven mm. C of the pension funds act. And
1: and Brian, would it would it have made any difference if um, the wife had gone back to um, to the fund and said, well? Um, I I I don't want seventy five percent. You can give however much to. This other person instead of giving it to me.
2: Absolutely. However, mm. why would why would uh, why would a wife do that?
1: No, no, yeah. fair enough. I can yeah. understand I mean, why she wouldn't is, do that. Anyone's the beneficiary
2: yeah. is going to expect uh, yeah. to be receiving the funds on death from uh, from the fund. Mm. Yeah, they, could, they could, they could actually. Uh, okay. They can do that. However, I'm just saying again. Check your you know beneficiaries, and let me make one other comment about beneficiaries. If you are divorced. And you don't change your beneficiary. I've got a case in Cape Town at the moment, where a couple were in a, in, a, in a in a life in a life partnership. Uh, In 2015, he took out a policy. He made her the beneficiary of an 8 million rand policy. In 2017, they split, but they carried on living in the same home that they both owned. He he redid his will, and in the will, he commented that this policy that he had with Momentum, the proceeds must be divided 50% with his ex-girlfriend, the ex-living partner, and 50% to the mother. And he died last year, 2021. The insurance company were right. The beneficiary had not been changed. They paid the life partner the eight million,
1: regardless of what was in the will. Regardless,
2: with what in the will. Mm. Now the insurance company followed the insurance act and did the right thing. So if you divorced, if anything's changed in your life, please check your policies to make sure that if you have a, a, a different, that if the beneficiary needs to be changed, you have 90 days to do that. And if you don't do it, the insurance companies will pay whoever was the beneficiary at the time of taking out the policy.
1: Oh, such an important conversation, and obviously, you know, it's, it's it's conversations lots of people don't want to have, but you have to plan for death. Yeah. That's the only and, way to.
2: And Kathy, while do I'm it. talking about doing the right thing, let mm-hmm. me just add one thing. Today, if you buy a life insurance policy, this isn't this is a question that I'm often asked. Mm-hmm. But if you buy a life insurance policy and you're a smoker you're going to pay 40 percent more as a smoker than if you're a non-smoker mm. now if you give up smoking and you've been not you haven't smoked depending on the insurance company's requirements but either six or 12 months if you stop smoking they will give you that 40 percent discount. And so many people forget if you've stopped smoking, maybe your policies are rated as smokers. Wonderful way to save money. And people forget that. So I'm just adding that as a reminder while we're talking about beneficiaries and policies.
1: All right. I'm back with Brian and lots more of your questions and calls.
0: The Talking Point with Cathy Mossasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: All right, Brian, I just want us to speak to some of our callers, our listeners that have been on the line for some time. Um, let me kick it off with Colin in Cape Town. Hi, Colin.
3: Hi, Kathy. Hi, Brian. Morning, Colin. Uh, Brian, it doesn't sound right to me. This, this doesn't sound right. A friend of mine worked for a company for 30 years, went on pension. And he nominated a company where his pension must go to. Now, the guy, unfortunately, he never lived very, very long after his pension. Now he's got his wife around still. But a couple of years afterwards, he received a letter stating that his money has been now transferred from the company... It went to, in the first place, to another company. So I said to him, but um, did you give authorization for that? I said, what is your portfolio saying? He's got no portfolio. He was just told by the company they're depositing X amount of money into this company to invest. But as I say, a few years later, that company sent him a letter telling him that his request has been granted It's gone now to a different company. To me, that sounds very, very wrong because only he can decide if he wants to change the company. Right or wrong, Brian? I don't know, but I just want you to confirm this.
2: Well, Colin, there's two different situations. One, if you're getting a pension directly from the company you worked for, uh, they have the right, obviously, to outsource where that pension comes from. that They have that right. If you buy your own pension and your own pension is, let's say, with Momentum, if Momentum is, over, is taken over by Sunlum, I'm just giving an example, I'm not for one moment suggesting that that deal's no. on the go, but if it's taken over by Sunlam, then in terms of Momentum's rules, as long as Sunlam honour the benefits that they were paying, Momentum were paying, they have the right to take it over. But for someone to move your pension from Momentum to Investic, unless it was a corporate deal, that you would have to, you as the individual would have to sign off. That's where you correct. have brought your own individual living annuity or life annuity. Correct, correct. As I said, him, and he had no
3: portfolio. I said, have you got a portfolio to say where your money is been invested? Because these two companies are still well and alive. I said, you mentioned mentioning company, the one went to um, Old Mutual, from Old Mutual into Liberty Life.
2: Okay, so these those are two. You know, as long as then then it sounds as if he was he was receiving a pension from a company, but you said he died.
3: Yeah, he passed away, but now his wife's getting what's left over.
2: Yes, and she's getting the money from Liberty Life. Yes. Yes. Well, look, the deal, so now there must have been an internal arrangement where the pension fund itself had outsourced the pens- outsourced their pensions to Old Mutual and then they could have easily switched that for their, all their members, not individual members. So if, you, if you're part of a group scheme, it's no problem they can as long as their are guarantees given by the receiving company and Old Mutual to Liberty. Nothing's changed in terms of their pension. She's still getting the same pension, so she hasn't been prejudiced in any way. I wouldn't worry. But if it's an individual, if you come to me and you buy a living annuity, I can't just make, move that living annuity from S- Sunlam to Old Mutual or Old Mutual to Liberty without the individual signing it. You see,
3: it, 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 it is an annuity fund. You see what I mean? Yeah, but You've the annuity
2: t- fund could be bought internally or could be bought mm. externally uh, by an individual. Mm. If it was a retirement annuity, it would be external. If it was a pension or problem fund, it would be internal.
3: But, uh, but what bogs my mind is... Uh, is He's got no portfolio. I've got a portfolio from from my investors, and it tells you where, where, what percentage is gone here, what percentage is gone. Here. It's, it's a big portfolio. He's, he had nothing. It was just a matter of a little letter.
2: Well, that's you know, there's a letter referring to to him, his employee number, to his contract number, and to the continuation of the pension which is now being received by the wife. Mm. Doesn't sound. does it? Sounds fun. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right, okay, Colin. We're much. gonna have
1: to leave it there. Uh, uh Colin out in Cape Town. Let me stay in Cape Town. Uh Sibambili is where, good morning.
3: Hello. Hi. Yeah, but, um, thank you so much. Um for picking my call. Uh, uh good morning all SA S A S M listeners. Uh, my sincere condolence to the devastating news that we hear uh, from Eastern Cape anyway. Um mm. uh, uh, what I want to hear, the gentleman over there in front of you, uh, he, he sounds like he's an expert. If I may ask just to get an advice from you, uh, I'm 52 years old. Are you hearing me?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm 52 years old, and then I, I stopped working 2018 before the first COVID. And then I resigned because I've been working in a dangerous situation whereby I was, I was afraid of my life and I resigned. But now uh, I'm unemployable. They were, I've been working for this company for 25 years. They were drafting uh, my UIF. So now I'm an, I'm 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 unemployable because I'm 52 years. It's not easy to get a job for men like me of my age. But now, can you advise me how can I get my UIF? Or oh, it is taken to my pension, but I'm not working. I'm at home, I've got children and i don't know how, what to do because now um, getting a job is, is difficult for people of my age so i need an advice if, if you are uh, expecting that so advice me is how can i get the uif or because i resign anyway i need you to explain me everything mm-hmm.
2: um, um, what did you do what did you do with your pension fund
3: Uh, uh, Anyway, um, I don't know if I'm ignorant, but I need you because I understand you and expect.
2: uh, Yes, but what did you do after 25 years of service to a company, you resigned? And what did you did you transfer your retirement fund to a preservation fund or did you take the money and pay tax? What did you do?
3: No, the money they,
2: they, they, they didn't give me my UIF because I refined. No, not talking about UAF. I'm talking about your reti the, the money in your retirement fund that you'd contributed to every month for those twenty five years. But that,
3: uh, you mean you're talking about size
2: now? No, I'm talking about your pension fund benefits.
3: No, I didn't take anything there because they've been just pulling as uh, they're deducting from the past. if you know they deduct
2: this, so you've this, left this. Okay. So you've left your pension fund with the bank?
3: yes I, I left today okay. I have done nothing.
2: Um, okay all right so let me talk to you about uif you would have to contact uif it's a absolute nightmare you are entitled to a benefit because you are no longer working and you're unemployed at this point in time uh, i'm not sure h- how how many months they'll pay for i think it's anything between six and ten months but you'll have to make contact directly speak to the bank Ask them for details, uh, speak to their personnel department, find out who you can actually contact, get all the details from them uh, they may even help you uh, put that UIF claim in. Certainly if they uh, the fact your circumstances, stopping work in 2018, battling to work now, but you certainly would be entitled t- to some form of benefit. I can't categor- categorically say whether mm-hmm. it would be six or eight months or nine months you'd need to speak to them
3: yeah well yeah, i understand you very clearly That i let the person the the, the offices where can i call that and explain my situation because i was not i'm not getting paid i'm struggling even to get this therapy. so i'm struggling because they keep on telling me and hey, you i irf registered but i'm not working and they're denying okay. me my uif you see so okay i actually registered and then i resigned this is the problem. Then where are going to get this money? Oh, damn,
2: okay, this money? so may I suggest the following? We'll take, we'll take you back to our, mm. into our studio. Give, it, give, give our um, controller your phone number, please. Uh, I, will, I will then make some inquiries. Uh, just tell me who, which bank did you work for? You, you're talking
3: about the company?
1: Yes. yes which, which company did you work for? I
3: worked for service, service security company.
2: Oh, not from a bank, for a bank?
1: No, 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 no. You work for a security company. Okay,
2: please just give me your phone number and I'll call you uh, in the Mm. next day and get details from you and try and help you where you actually go. I'll speak to our HR department
3: no, no, give
1: you the number now? Please. No, 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 just, no we'll just, 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 so just stay on the line. Levels going to uh, take your number for us, okay? And we'll pass that number on to Brian, and he'll see if he can assist. Of course, the big issue here is really about whether or not he even had those benefits, uh, pension benefits that uh, you're pointing to, Brian. So yeah. we'll get all of the details, and Brian will give us feedback on what happened um, when we speak to him again next week. Ryan, I also want to talk about this issue. There were uh, a number of people who called and it was regarding a fixed income offer uh, advertised in the Post newspaper. And it's offering income option over two years at 10 percent and fixed investment over two years at 12 percent. What? More do you know about this offer? What do you well, think about it?
2: Well, I saw, I saw the, the, the advertisement was sent to me. Hmm. It, uh, it, had, it did not have the name of any company on it. Uh, I don't know this offer, but let me make this comment. If you invest money in a bank for one year on a fixed deposit, you'll get approximately maybe five, five and a half percent. If you invest for two years in a bank, you'll get seven. I don't know how any organisation can pay ten and ten percent. Is if you draw monthly money monthly, and twelve percent if you're going to pay it uh, at, at the end of the period. All I'm saying to you, I would tread very warily and make far more inquiries about who is paying the interest, and then more important, who is going to guarantee the repayment of the capital. Mm-hmm. Is it a standard bank? Is it a first rand? Is it an APSA? Or who is it? And if you don't know the name of the company, if you don't if it's not a well known brand if you don't check up with other people about this, my advice is stay far away. Do not go into this type of investment when the interest rate they're offering is twice the amount mm-hmm. that you could get from any of the traditional banks. And even some of the other banks maybe uh, six, um, 60% more. All I'm saying is it just sounds too good to be true.
1: Do you know where this newspaper is published? Post newspaper? No. Yeah, I'm also not aware of it. So, yeah, that in and of
2: itself. Remember, should. newspapers don't always vet their ads. Mm. I mean, mm. they out there selling advertising space. They need to cover. They need to cover the cost of their newspaper by getting adverts. So, I don't know how much they vet an advert that's placed this type of advert. Yeah. I'm not saying they may. It may be absolutely legitimate and above board. I'm just saying, I wouldn't be making an investment. I wouldn't be advising any of my clients to be making an investment in this type of investment.
1: Let's stay with this issue of um, retirement and uh, annuities. And it's questions about investments dropping in retirement annuities uh, from companies, some of the big companies, including your likes of Sunlam, Liberty, Old Mutual and Momentum.
2: Yes, understand that when you buy a retirement annuity, you have you assess what your risk profile is. And your risk profile is assessed really on one main component. What is your age and how many years have you got to retirement? And the longer you're saving for retirement, the more your risk profile is going to be aggressive. You don't want to be a 30 or 35 year old where you're saving for retirement to age minimum age fifty five and you're investing conservatively in bank investments. So having invested in growth assets which are made up of really equities and property, we've in the we've in South Africa Had very poor markets for the last few years. So anyone who's actually had a value two or three years ago Mm. and now made future contributions and added that all up, they will find that the investments are down. But that doesn't matter because if you take on a long-term investment, cycles will change and certainly over the next 10 to 15 years you will find that the only place you will beat inflation is by investing in growth assets. So if the values are down and you've got a long-term time horizon and you shouldn't be in growth assets if you don't have a long-term time horizon, don't worry about where we are today. When Cathy spoke today, she would have said yesterday when she read the news out, uh, the the financial report, she would have said markets were up today. She said markets were up. She said the brand had weakened slightly. uh, The oil price had crept up. All these things have an effect. But in the short term, markets are dangerous. Mm -hmm. You want certainty and you want security and you've got a one to three year time horizon. Stick to banks and stick to banks who pay you can compare interest rates, but stick to those banks that pay similar interest rates, maybe quarter to half percent, not where you promised five to six percent. But don't worry in the short term. If you've got a lot, if you've got a short-term time horizon, and you're now closer to retirement and you've seen your values drop, that is a problem. But again, you may, if you've got five years to go, you do need to st- stick through these, these these downturns. Markets will turn. They have turned. In 49 of the 50 times during my working career, 49 times markets have dropped and 49 times markets have recovered to much higher levels. Mm -hmm. We're in the 50th time at the moment. The 50th time being markets have dropped and they haven't yet recovered. But recovery uh, will come.
1: So, Brian, how long must one just expect the recovery to take?
2: I, I would say something between three to five years. Okay. But remember, whatever money you're putting in now, if the let's say the market was at 100 mm. and it's now dropped to 80, whatever money you put in every month, you're buying at 80. So you're buying more units at a lower price. And ultimately, when the markets pick up all these units you're buying now at a lower price when the recovery comes on the overall portfolio you will benefit so don't stop contributing don't cash in don't panic certainly if you've got a long-term time horizon
1: i've got a message from brandon here who says morning kathy i want to ask brian if i resign from my job and go to another job can i access a percentage of my retirement in the process
2: can, in other words, can you access a percentage out of the existing funds? Yes, I yes, think you yes, can. Yes. In other words, on withdrawal, you can certainly make one withdrawal. You know, you the, the options are I withdraw all the funds, pay tax at withdrawal rates, which are very onerous, or leave my money with the company, Mm. or I can make one withdrawal prior to retirement. So what you could do is you could withdraw from the fund, move the balance of the fund to a preservation fund, which means I'm buying my own retirement fund, and then you have one more option in that preservation fund to make another withdrawal. So, you have various options, but you certainly can make a withdrawal. The first 25,000 Rand is tax free. The next amount, up to 600,000 Rand, is taxed at 18%. But you can. So, if you're going to make part withdrawal, my suggestion is make the part withdrawal, and only then, when you've made the withdrawal, transfer the balance to a preservation fund. So Mm -hmm. let's assume you've got a 100,000 benefit, you take a withdrawal of 25,000, that's tax-free. When that withdrawal is complete, the company will then transfer 75,000 to your own preservation fund, which you're going to do with all the top companies, and then you've got 75,000 invested in your own retirement fund, and then you have one further right to Mm -hmm. withdraw either part or all before retirement.
1: All right. Um, I want to take one quick WhatsApp voice note. I think we can squeeze it in, Brian.
2: If I talk quickly.
1: (laughs) All right. Let me play this voice note for you.
0: Good morning, Catherine, Brian. It's Brian. I heard you a few weeks ago saying that uh, people don't have to have two different retirement annuities, and uh, I do have two of them. The reason why I had two, uh, I found out that I was uh, contributing very little on my first one. And when I went to Old Mutual to increase the premium, they said I couldn't. So I was forced to go and open another one on a different uh, insurer. And my question then is, What is the disadvantage of having two retirement
2: annuities? Well, there's no real disadvantage to having two retirement annuities. I mean, the difference is, the fact that you've got retirement annuities, how are those funds that you're putting into that retirement annuity being invested? But, you know, there there could be a saving only by having one retirement in terms of a monthly service fee, a monthly administration fee. However, you know, some companies will allow you to increase your retirement duties. Other companies won't allow you to increase it and you have to take a second one. There's nothing wrong with having two or three or four. There's nothing wrong with having one because if you have one, you can still decide that I want to put 20% into one investment, 25% into a different fund within that fund. So you still have all the flexibility. Flexibility. Mm. The only adv- big advantage of having more than one is when you want to cash it in, you can't cash, like I spoke to the previous caller, that you could cash in uh, a passport... Port- a part of your pension fund, withdrawal, under retirement, you've either got withdraw withdrawn full. So at least if you've got more, you have different flexibility once you reach 855. You can draw from one and then a, a short time later or a few years later, you can draw from another. So there is a lot of flexibility and opportunities by having more than one. But there's nothing wrong with having one as long as you contribute the, the right amounts that will provide for sufficient at retirement.
1: That's where we leave it for this morning with you, Brian Hirsch. Very quickly, your details.
2: Okay, my line's back working. It hasn't been working for four weeks. Zero one one double eight zero four triple eight. So you had problem getting through. I apologise. Uh, I'll have to take the blame. Although Telcoms given me a hard time. Zero one one double eight zero. 4888. Leave your name and details from where you're phoning you from because if I phone and you're not available I will pass your message on to someone in that area. Thanks Kathy.
1: Alright. Have
2: a lovely day. Thanks Thank you, to Brian. the studio for all the support and I'll see you next week.
1: Alright. See you next week Brian and we'll also get an update on Siva's situation next week. Brian is going to make contact with him after the show today.